Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob. You know, it, it has dawned on me in the last few years that I am so lucky that I get to have one of the best seats in the house for so many great things that happen in sports, whether it's in Indianapolis, statewide perspective, some of the national stuff that I have done. Um, and it is my job to provide the soundtrack to those moments. And especially now that I do more of that from a television or video standpoint, than an audio standpoint, to some degree, my job in the key moment is to shut up and get out of the way and let the picture tell the story. It's my job to provide the context. It's my job to provide insight as to what made that moment so special. You know, winning a championship is pretty self-explanatory. You set out to win the darn thing, and you did. But but what makes it? What made it? What obstacles were overcome in that process? Why is this one so sweet? What was the process like to get to that moment and to describe that in as succinct of a fashion as possible? Folks, when I finished my 100-miler, I was happy to be done, but I wasn't finished. The reason why my legs weren't completely bonked from running was that I used PR lotion by Momentus. It simply eliminated any lactic acid buildup in my legs, and it's the best product I've ever used. Momentus is a leading nutrition and supplement company which works with over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. No other company has the accolades of being awarded six innovation contracts from the Department of Defense for Human Performance. Since I started using PR Lotion, I now use their plant-based protein, collagen peptides, and recovery formula. Look, if performing is important to you, do yourself a favor. Go to livemomentous.com. And for listening today, you get the best part, a discount. Enter code DRB20 for 20% off your order. That's DRB and the number 20. LiveMomentous.com. Optimize, perform, and recover. LiveMomentous.com. So our guest today is Vice President of the ISC Sports Network. He is the voice of Indy 11 post game host for Colts Radio Network. He calls play-by-play for the ISSA state championship events, Horizon League, NCAA championship events, American Legion World Series, Soccer Saturdays. He's the host. He's over 20 years into the sports broadcasting business. Our guest today is Greg Rakestraw. The Rake. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time, man. Rob, it's good to be with you, buddy. Appreciate the invite to the show. So this is a Long days since the evening sports desk, huh? <laughs> I've, I've, I've come a little ways. So, yeah, that was my uh, first foray into doing my own talk show. That would be at uh, 95.9 in Franklin. Uh, and I, let's see, the last show of that program I would have done were approaching 21 years ago. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been just a little while. And that was nationally syndicated? Sure. Um, yeah. Syndicated because you can listen to it online at uh, 959thepoint.com. But I'm sure that website has long since been a victim uh, of, of the last 20 years. So, 
So no, that was um, that was kind of my second job in the market, kind of cutting my teeth and growing at WNDE. But that step from NDE to Franklin was huge for me because it allowed me to to learn uh, to figure out how to how to put together a talk show. It's how I learned how to be a program director and run a radio station. And even though you know radio is not my full time job anymore, there's a lot of things I picked up from that experience that benefit me to this day. Yeah. So tell us a story. You knew at the age of five that you wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Correct. The, the, the joke that I tell most people is I knew at that point in time that I wasn't going to be a good enough athlete to be a professional ball player. And so talking about things for a living was the way that I was going to go. Uh, for whatever reason, when I was a, a, a small child, I gravitated towards television and gravitated towards the announcers on television and, and emulated those guys. And at about the age of five, I began a love affair with sports that have not stopped over 40 years later. So, you know, in my mind, being a sportscaster at the age of five was going to be being, you know, like the local guys I would see growing up. I'm from Southern Indiana, grew up in the kind of the Louisville market. So I watched guys like Bob Dominey and Dave Conrad, and a little bit later, Fred Calgill, who is still at WLKY in Louisville and has been there now for at least 35 years and kind of approaching 40. Um, at, at this point in time, but those are the guys that I thought, okay, this is what I want to do for a living. Uh, and while it's not exactly what I'm doing, I'm working in the industry. Uh, and so when there's the, uh, we're going through the old yearbook, the high school yearbook from Lanesville at our 25 year reunion four years ago. And I joked about being on ESPN and I've been on ESPN a great deal. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very lucky, uh, that, that I have, I have done largely what I have set out to do for a career now for the better part of 30 years. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's awesome. And which you, you did when the NFL had that NFL top 10, which, uh, which episode were you on in that one? I have done a bunch of those. And so how that would work, and I haven't done any in the last two or three years, uh, but for a four or five year stretch, the NFL would, and their media arm would interview dozens of people at the combine every year which made it very easy for me to simply walk over from my office on Monument Circle uh, to one of the side halls in the convention center. And it would be a 30-minute a, a window. And they are, all right, I want to use you for, we're shooting 10 new episodes this year. We think you can be in five. Here we go. And the idea was, hey, you know, state what you know, but feel free to be a bit pithy uh, about things or, or, or smart alecky to put them in more Southern Indiana terms. Uh, on, on some of those things. So, you know, it turned out the one that I was probably on the most was the Brady versus Manning top 10 games. Oh, okay. And it kind of turned into Tom Curran. And if you saw Tom, you know who he is. He's worked for a variety of outlets in Boston, both print as well as television. I ended up being the guy that told most of the stories from the Colts perspective, just because I was so lucky that Peyton's heyday was kind of my heyday as a talk show host. So I literally hosted a daily talk show from September of 2000 through May of 2009. Well, think about that. Peyton Manning was the quarterback of the Colts from 1998 through 2010. So I was very lucky that my career as a talk show host pretty much mirrored Peyton Manning's career, which made my job so ridiculously easy most Mondays during the football season. It was victory Monday. It was have a guest or two. And, hey, who gets your game ball from Sunday's game? It was like living in Pleasantville. The same thing just happened over and over again, yeah. you know, because they would, they, they won 12 or more games, seven straight years. That's ridiculous. Nobody does that. 
in the National Football League. And we were so lucky that that was the case, uh, you know, here in Indianapolis. No, it's fantastic. I love the way you share that, man. With, um, you know, with that said, you, you, you talked about like you're in the play by play and in the announcing, like you weren't a moment maker, but a moment describer. Can you elaborate <laughs> on, on what you meant? Sure. Uh, and, I, and I forget what the, uh, um, I think it was for a speech that I gave last year. It was for an event called a moment maker, uh, or moment makers. And, and, you know, it, it has dawned on me in the last few years that I am so lucky that I get to have one of the best seats in the house for so many great things that happen in sports, whether it's in Indianapolis, statewide perspective, some of the national stuff that I have done. Um, and it is my job to provide the soundtrack to those moments. And especially now that I do more of that from a television or video standpoint than an audio standpoint, to some degree, my job in the key moment is to shut up and get out of the way and let the picture tell the story. It's my job to provide the context. It's my job to provide insight as to what made that moment so special. You know, winning a championship is pretty self-explanatory. You set out to win the darn thing and you did, but, but what makes it, what made it, what obstacles were overcome in that process? Why is this one so sweet? What was the process like to get to that moment and to describe that in as succinct of a fashion as possible? So while those are moments for me, because of what I have chosen to do for a career, you know, me describing them in one sense, it's, it's not the experience, the person that made that happen or people in terms of a team sport, they're not thinking the way that I'm thinking because my voice is paired with the video of that event. When mm -hmm. they go back and look back at that event, my voice is the one that they're going to hear in conjunction with, with, with what they experienced as a player for that. So it's, it's, it kind of falls under one of the uh, old 11 commandments from my days at MS communications where it said, take your job seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. Right. Well, that's one of the things where I'm like, Hey, I'm, I have to get this right because what I'm saying is going down in history. This is how somebody's going to remember this event. It's why I have to be spot on every time when I'm in a state final or championship scenario or something I think is going to be memorable. I want to make sure I get it right. People are going to go back and watch that highlight for years to come. Hey, good looking. If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated, then visit our website, drrobbell.com, and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment. Which one are you most proud of then? From a call standpoint? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. You know, the, the, it, it, and it's, it's the inverse of what I just talked about. Because let's face it, nobody is, you know, <laughs> there's one preseason game. It's very memorable that I did it's for all the wrong reasons. It's, it's not anything I did wrong. It was Andrew Luck retiring, uh, you know, during, mm -hmm. during the middle of, of preseason game number three. Uh, uh, August 24th of, uh, 
of 2019 under the data seared into my brain or anything like that. Um, but, but for me as a broadcaster, it is having that stage. You know, I am one of about 35 people that have a chance to broadcast preseason games on television. And the room is so big. Uh, you know, the, the ratings locally and nationally for preseason football are absolutely nuts. It's part of the reason why I'm not going to like scare everybody and like, uh, you know, turn the camera in the opposite direction. Um, but I'm doing this interview with you from the parking lot of the Indianapolis Colts complex. I am at the Colts complex, basically four months ahead of the preseason finale, because as part of my job with the Indianapolis Colts, I got to be plugged in to what this team is doing the day before the draft, four and a half months before there is an actual regular season football game. And so one of the things that I'm most proud of is the job that I do on a national level three times a year as the preseason televoice, television voice of, of the Indianapolis Colts, in part because those games often go to NFL Network, in part because we have such a huge audience. And the fact the Colts invite keep inviting me back to do this, this will be my sixth year of, of doing those games coming up in August. I take a great deal of pride in that. Wow, that's fantastic, Greg. I, I would not have guessed that that would have been your answer. One, because I'm not really a preseason football guy at all because I've got to save up, but I, I, I thought, I thought, I thought for sure you were going to say 2016 miracle at the mic, man. Like when Brad, when Brad ring, that's you know, chug, chugs a beer. That's, that's, that's very important. That's one of my favorite Indy 11 memories. And I am lucky that I am now in year number 10 uh, as, as the, as the television voice of the Indy 11. Um, I love all of the high school state finals that I have done. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be on the call of two for my hometown of Lanesville, including one earlier this year. But I, I, I think just because of the amount of work that goes into those broadcasts and the size of the crew that I work with and simply put the stage that we have, um, it's, it's the NFL, man. It's, it's, it's the top dog in all the sports. And I have a little piece of it, and I am very proud of that. No, that's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know, with, with that said, you know, when you're mentioning, I mean, over 20 years in the business, 10 years just as, uh, you know, Indy 11 teams, I mean, being mm -hmm. there play-by-play. -play, talk to us real quick about time. And, and what I mean is, and giving you a chance for it, I mean, the concept of, how powerful that resource is. And one of the things that I want the listeners to know is, I mean, you have, I can mention a date three weeks out and you know off the top of your head exactly where you are at that point because you have right. to be. But talk to us about like time and, and as your career has progressed, um, you know, just the importance of it. NAI softball regional, a one o'clock game, playback game at three o'clock in case you're wondering, that's three weeks from when you and I are having this conversation right now uh, to well make played. your point. And if I'm not there, I'll be at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway doing track updates uh, for 107.5. The fan of that softball regional, for some reason, does not happen. So that, that's how it plays out. Um, well I live my life by a Google calendar um, just because you know, I, I do have a salary in my job, but I also get paid extra a lot of times to be doing play-by-play -play for events. So my life is a schedule, and part of it is then scheduling time. Hey, you've got this broadcast on Saturday. You have to be prepared for it, and you have to have that preparation done by this point in time because you've got this on your schedule the following day. And so it's one of the things 
that we talk about as an NCAA athlete, of, of which I was now some 25 years ago. Um, but one of the things that is often talked about the student athlete experience is time management is, hey, you've got 15 hours of class, you've got 20 hours of practice, you've got 10 hours of workouts, you've got this much amount of travel to get to your games or your matches that week, you've got to find a way to make all of that fit. And so that was another wonderful life lesson for me in terms of what I am doing now. I am trying to cram as much into a day as possible uh, because, of, because I love what I do. I think I'm fairly decent at it. Um, and then, you know, you add on top of that, you know, I, I have a wife and two kids. I'm going to try not to shortchange them and, you know, remind my kids the fact that I kind of look like them or they kind of look like me. Um, and so it's, it's trying to find a way to balance all of that. So time is the ultimate resource in my life. And there, it's funny, there are things, there are times when things cancel that I'm like, I just got three hours back in my week that I wasn't expecting. And now this makes everything so much easier to accomplish. So uh, it's, it's kind of like that, uh, that movie with uh, Justin Timberlake. And I am forgetting uh, the lovely Amanda Seyfried that was with him uh, in time, I think was the name of the movie where time was the currency. That's kind of how it works in the Rakestraw family too. Nice, man. I remember Herschel Walker said one time, and this is on Jim Rome show, and he just said, you know, Jim Rome asked him, so when, when was the last time you missed a workout? And Herschel Walker, matter of fact, he said, I've never missed a workout. Yep. And Jim kind of challenged him a little bit. So I want to follow up on that question, not the workout, but um, was there ever a game that you didn't feel prepared for? There's, there's a couple of those. And then there is the lessons learned when I try to fit too many things in at one time. So in the first year of the Indy 11, uh, we had a seven o'clock kickoff. Colts kicked off that night at eight. Post-game coverage for me was supposed to begin at 11 o'clock. And there was a storm delay and I could not do both. So mm. thankfully I had to rely on Matt Taylor to fill in on the post-game show. This is for a preseason game before I started doing preseason television. And now I am much more cognizant of ensuring that, you know, if, I, I, if I'm going to have two different broadcasts in one day, that I kind of have a backup plan um, if I feel it's necessary, or I schedule myself as saying, hey, I know I could do this, but I can't in case something were to go wrong. Because now a decision that I'm making is impacting other people. Um, there are always broadcasts where I feel, hey, I think I could be more prepared. I have done this long enough now where I can kind of work my way around that and nobody knows the difference. Um, but but for me, it's literally making sure I can be in two different places over the course of a day. There have been times I have gone, <laughs> gone from venue A to venue B and back to venue A uh, mm -hmm. to do three games over the course of a day. I have done that. Um, but but I, try to, I try to make sure that, that, that the craziness of my schedule only affects me. And I'm not going to be penalizing somebody else by trying to do all the things that I do. Right. No, it's fantastic. You know, there's 92 counties in Indiana. Um, have you done a broadcast in every one of those counties? I have not. Um, and so there's, there's a couple of different counts, but I think that I have. There's 407 current IHSAA member schools. Okay. I have done an event involving over 270 of them at this point. Uh, and that would be having done a game at their facility, 
having done a broadcast of their team and most of them I get in a state final uh, or in a holiday tournament or something like that. And I think there's even one that I've not done the team, but I've done a game from their place and that's Blackford. Uh, and so that's, that's the one that I, I, I count of, of that. If you go by number of like high school gyms that I have been to, I think that number is about 130 at this point in time. So it shows you how many I kind of knock off at things like the hall of fame classic, the Paul Logan classic, uh, forum tip-off classic, a lot of classics clearly here, uh, the sneakers for Santa shootout and things like that. So I don't think I have done one from all 92 counties. I'm not going to lie, Rob. I have thought about doing, and obviously this is as my kids get older and I'm more of an empty nester. I've mm-hmm. thought about doing like a tour to Hoosier where I get like an RV and try to attend a game in all 92 counties during the course of a girls and boys high school basketball season. That is to some degree on the bucket list and, and might be a uh, semi-retirement gig for me at some point in time down the road. Now we're talking, man. <laughs> little, John, little John Madden bus, or are you thinking more of an RV? I'm, I'm thinking about whatever I can afford or convince a sponsor to give me. Oh, we'll get the sponsorship for that. Points, wherever those two points meet in the middle, we'll figure that out. Where's Rake? Yeah, that'd be great. Exactly. Yep. Mm, now you got me thinking. <laughs> so, again, I grew up in Maryland, and you always hear about Indiana basketball, of course, until you're here. Um, I got here after, uh, you know, class basketball, where it became class basketball um, for uh, sectionals and regionals in the state. And I've been to a lot of sporting events, not as many as you have, but basketball here in indiana for uh, high school boys especially it was it made my hair stand up on the back of my neck at a couple of those events because of how much juice it was how sure. do you describe to somebody uh not from indiana how would you describe what high school basketball is like it's just different here um it's it's high school wrestling in iowa it's high school hockey in minnesota uh, it's, it, it's high school football in, in, in parts of the deep South, you know, it, it is, and, and it's different than it was, but it's still really cool. Um, and for those that, you know, complain about, it, it's not like the old days. Well, Hey, that's on you go to more games. The level of play is the same, if not better. Uh, the, the game has changed, but not in a negative way. It's the connoisseur that to some degree has changed. Um, but it's, you know, when, when you go to a place like the Hatchet House and last year, as in spring of 2022, Cathedral and Beach Grove were both assigned to the semi-state in Washington. And I just happened to be in the building before those teams got there and to watch them both walk in and go, this is an arena. This seats 7,000 people. This is a high school facility. And those kids are used to playing at Southport, which, which is similar. But to see the awe that those kids had at being in that building. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll use the example of, of, of my hometown high school. You know, I was part of the class of 29. The high school has since doubled in size. It's got about 250 kids now that are there. But in playing in the high school state championship games, the girls at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the Lanesville cheering sex was probably about 2,500 to 3,000 people for a town of 700. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, anybody that ever thought about being from Lanesville was at that game. <laughs> and so, it, and so it's, just, it's just something that is in our DNA. Basketball is a big deal. And Indiana high school basketball 
is a big deal. And, and it's part of why I, I tell people, you know, this is, this is the reason what I do. I'm lucky to live in a state where I can largely have my full-time job be covering high school sports. And then high school sports has a, a somewhat level footing with the Colts, with the Pacers, with Indiana. There is a place to be a high school sports reporter or a high school sports television slash host. And you can make a successful living doing that in a market the size of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And that's because people care about this a great deal here. Absolutely. Well said, sir. Well said. With uh, on, Just to kind of dovetail off of that, are there a couple of athletes throughout your years that just kind of stand out that you, know, you couldn't wait to watch or you just, just in awe of how they performed in any kind of sport? Sure. Um, Watching Greg Oden play high school basketball was mesmerizing because of the size difference between he and everybody else. Uh, LN would play a one, three, one zone with Mike Conley on the top of it. And as people would try to figure out how they'd pass the ball around Greg, uh, Mike would pick their pocket and score 10 layups a game uh, doing that. But you were just like, there is no way on God's green earth. Anybody else in high school basketball can remotely come close to hanging with that guy. And so being around to do a lot of his games on radio, um, you know, he, he jumps to the front of the list on that standpoint. Um, there, there is a more recent vintage young man named Caden Curry. He's completed his first year at Ohio State University. And I, I saw a lot of his games his last three years at Center Grove. And I put him on a list of three or four high school football players in terms of the best that I have seen in the 25 years I've been doing this in central Indiana. The other guys that are a part of that group uh, would be James Banks, who ended up playing at Tennessee, did not have the college group people that thought he would. Jason Warner, unfor- uh, unfortunately, Jason Warner, a back injury kind of I – mean, he played at Purdue, but slowed down his chances of playing beyond that. The amount of plays he made week after week after week to get a very good Ron Colley team through a gauntlet of competition to win a 4A state championship, it still mesmerizes me, uh, you know, some 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that was the case, but, but the stuff that Caden did, you're not supposed to be able to do that in the frame that he had from an athleticism standpoint, which is why I would tell people, Hey, this kid's a Sunday player. And I, and I firmly believe that, um, you know, there, there's, I see a couple, three of those every year in high school football, Oakland, I go, I'll see that guy playing on Sundays. And, and, so- and he is one of them. Give him a couple of more years. He'll, I think he'll be a great one at, at the next level. Greg, with with that said, right, like everybody who is in the NFL, even on special teams, right? I mean, they were the best player at their high school, the best player yep. in the area, no bar none. Um, what do you think it is that separates? And I understand, I mean, there's a lot of factors that that go into it. Has that ever happened on the broadcast? We gotta it happens sometimes when we have cough buttons, Rob. It happens. It's okay. Nice, man. With, uh, with that said, I know there's a lot of factors that go into somebody reaching their absolute potential. What have you seen, though, outside of injuries about somebody that absolutely makes it as opposed to somebody that just doesn't get the shot? Well, there, there, there's since I'm at the Colts complex as we speak, there, there's a couple of different examples that I can give you. And there are those that are simply athletically different than anybody else. You know, to, to use the, 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 the Bull Durham line about nuclear loose, you'd be given a thunderbolt, you know, for a right arm. Well, there are please. some guys that are the 1% of the 1%. Uh, 
and those guys are in the National Football League or at any professional sport. But then there's the other guys that figure out, this is the skill set that I do exceedingly well, and this will keep me in the National Football League. And the best example I can give you of that is Jack Doyle. Jack obviously played nine years in the National Football League for his hometown team, the Colts. And he did so because he was an elite level blocker. Mm-hmm. Now, he had a confluence of circumstances that helped him to get to this point, and then he took advantage of it. Because I covered him in high school. I mean, he was a nice player at Cathedral. Didn't think he was you know, going to be a major college player playing at Western Kentucky. When he played at Western Kentucky, he played for Willie Taggart in a run-dominant offense, which meant as a tight end that Jack did a lot of blocking, which got him noticed by NFL scouts. But when he worked out locally for Ralph Reef at St. Vincent Sports Performance, I remember interviewing Jack before the draft, and I was doing Ralph a favor. I'm like, dude, this guy ain't going to make the National Football League. He barely come any passes at Western Kentucky. There's no way he's going to play in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And he got cut in his first training camp, one of the last guys cut from Tennessee. The Colts signed him immediately, and he plays here for nine years, and he actually had one season where he caught 80 passes. That was a bonus. That was the anomaly. But where the Colts really missed Jack last year, was that elite level blocker. You know, there, there's a play in football called a wham block where basically a tight end or a wide receiver comes in motion, pinches down, hits an unsuspecting defensive lineman. And Jack Doyle was amongst the elite guys at doing that for a decade in the National Football League. I have joked that we should call a wham block in central Indiana a Doyle block. That's how good he was at it. So again, because of the work that he put in, the recognition of, hey, I do something at an elite level here, um, and kind of a confluence of circumstances. Here's a guy that was, I'm not sure if he'd be a two-star recruit, a three-star recruit, a no-star recruit, but he played Division One football, and he played a decade in the National Football League. And so, you know, there, there are guys that have the right mental mindset that accept their role is going to be and put in the work, and that confluence of circumstances can make them a long-term pro and have generational wealth for their family at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate that example. That's perfect. I had uh, Matt Overton on the podcast uh, a few episodes yep. ago, and, and there'd be another example of somebody with a specific skill set. Although Jack Dillows yep. would be a lot more broader, he's very, very specific, but uh, it's kind of on on point with that. And what's interesting, Rob, is that you know now you have kids specializing as long snappers at a much early age. I've got a buddy of mine whose son's getting ready to high school senior. And he's had several division one visits specifically as a long snap, mm-hmm. you know, in Matt's case. And then the, the case of the guy that supplanted him here in terms of Luke Rhodes, it was a, a case of these are guys that played another position, but realized, Hey, if I want to continue my career, this is how I'm going to have to do it. It's almost like the old days there would in major league baseball, there would be a guy that would say, all right, we want to have one knuckleball pitcher, in, in, in their organization, you're not going to make it as a major leaguer. You're a double-A, triple-A level talent. Let us teach you this knuckleball, and let's see if that's what gets you to the major leagues. And that's right, kind of what you. it is. And, again, and, and, and I, I know Matt very well, but I can give you the Rhodes example. Luke Rhodes was here as a linebacker, and, but could also snap. They had brought in another kid that was specifically a snapper from Duke. I think the last name was Hennessy, to replace Matt Overton about eight or nine years ago. He didn't win the job. Luke Rhodes did. And, and, and Luke has now been here, you know, er, ever since that time. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, again, there are unique ways to find your way in the foot in the door. 
question is, are you as an athlete going to accept that role? Mm-hmm. Yeah, able to adjust for sure. When it comes to your role, your position, um, how does the mental game and mental toughness come into play? You know, for me, um, it's it's organization in terms of making sure I've got everything lined up I need to take care of and, and be able to oversee and make sure that all the details are in place the way that they do. So there's 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 the discipline involved in terms of planning, preparing, et cetera, not just for a broadcast, but for a production and making sure all of all of the schedule's right. And, and it's and it's a variety of tasks. And I like it that way. I, I like being able to do a, a little bit of everything. Um but then it is also the ability to grind, to go out there and make sure that the broadcast you put forth on a random Tuesday in December is every bit as good as the one you're doing for a state championship some three and a half months later. And so discipline and grind when it comes to the mental game. Again, there, there are the gifts that we are given, the gifts that we cultivate. I am lucky that I have a photographic memory where I can pull stuff from random events I tend to have a contextual memory as well, um, where, where I can place things in terms of the order in which they happen because of my memory. Those, those are the gifts that I have been given by God. I have also cultivated those, but, but not everybody has those things. But in terms of what translates to somebody else in a different field in terms of what I do, the ability to grind, the ability to have discipline, the ability to prepare. Those are things that aren't about your talent. And those are things that I have to do on a daily basis to have the level of success that I've been fortunate enough to have 25 years into my career. Mm-hmm. Well said. Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today? Tune in to KukoRadio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station playing nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at kukoradio.com. Well said, sir. When you talk about memories then, what were, I mean, you mentioned 2006 World Cup final, Italy and France. Yep. Being one of your favorite sports memories. I mean, that was uh, that was uh, the headbutt, wasn't it? <laughs> so the, the, the article you're referencing is from basically a, it, it was a soccer specific uh, blog uh, that Matt Thompson puts together uh, for when the game beckons. And it was basically like a soccer life. And so I said, all right, here's my five favorite moments in terms of broadcast. Here's my five favorite moments in terms of just being a fan. And so that's one of the things that I remember getting to the now demolished Bruges restaurant in Broad Ripple. Uh, and this is the pre-kids days. So my wife and I could do this. You know, we get there like three hours before the final to, to, to get the seat that we want. And being able to have that communal experience of watching the match eight years before the Indy 11 ever existed um, was one of my favorite memories. And, and frankly, not having a dog in the fight, not caring who won that match, just enjoying it as a fan and, and taking in the scene was, was something that I really enjoyed. That's awesome. When I'm reading that article, I thought you were at the game. No, um, but, but I can describe it like I was, but no, yeah, I was no, I was not. Fantastic. I was watching that from Broad Ripple, yes, sir. So just off the cuff, then, what was another one of your like national, you know, historical uh, favorite sporting events, sport moments that that I was at or or enjoying as no, a fan? just in general, yeah, anyone you want. You know, I, I mean, growing up as a University of Louisville fan and watching the Cardinals win the '86 national championship, uh, you know, would would come to mind as simply a fan moment because I, I have to draw this line in the sand. <laughs> 
you know, so many of the moments that I enjoyed from like 1998 on, I was there in a broadcaster role. So like I loved the 2006 AFC championship game between the Colts and Patriots. But in part, it was because financially I was going to benefit from it. The Colts were going to the Super Bowl. And for the love of God, and I'm talking about the Colts being beaten by the Patriots in the playoffs uh, for a third time, you know, in, in a four-year stretch. So there was ulterior motives there. Simply being a fan, 86 UofL winning the national championship, 1990 Reds going wire to wire winning the World Series. You know, my, my Reds fandom has waned to such a great detail. I can probably name like five guys in the roster maybe 10 if I really tried, uh, but I've completely checked out since they have largely checked out of trying to be competitive at, at least for the next couple of years. But, but it's interesting. I have always been a fan of sports, but obviously now for the last 25 years, I really haven't viewed them like a fan. I view them so completely differently. Right. Greg, what, um, what questions should I be asking that, that I haven't asked? You've been asking a lot of great questions. You're asking all the right questions. You, you can keep going. Now, I will tell you, my phone's about to run out of juice. So if, 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 if I don't answer a question, it's a technology problem and not a Rob asked the wrong question problem. So, I mean, I've just got to maybe phrase it a different way. What questions should I be asking? Like, what, <laughs> what part do you want to have a mic drop moment on there, Greg? Uh, no, this is your show. I don't have to have a mic drop moment. You, you can determine when that mic drop moment happens. I'm... I am good to answer whatever questions you want to fire my way. What is the piece of information that you feel everyone should know when it comes to the mental game and life? Um, so much of life is between the ears and so much of life is belief. Um, you know, <laughs> you have to have that rooted in some form of, of factual basis as to I can accomplish that. Um, but if you believe that you can't do it, I guarantee you that you will be right. So if you set your mind to something and you think you are in the ballpark or the vicinity of being able to accomplish that fact, you more than likely will. But belief in yourself and in those around you is of paramount importance. You have to have that belief. There will be moments of doubt, but you have to have the belief that you can accomplish that because if you don't, again, I'll guarantee you, you'll be right. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Henry Ford quote, man. Greg, thank you so much, man, for taking the time out of your schedule and uh, really appreciate you joining us, man. Of course, I am a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan of your books, and I cannot wait. Thank you for sending one my way. Uh, it is still sitting there on the countertop in the kitchen. I have not cracked it open yet. And if I wait for free time, I'll never read it. So I will be dedicating time to making that Thanks happen. for listening to Mental Toughness with Dr. Can't Rob wait. Bell. To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell. And subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of Mental Toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.